Everyone, welcome once again to Creator's Playbook. I'm Robbie. And I'm Michael. And Steven says this incredible thing where he introduces what we do as the podcast. And I should really write it down so I could say it too. But we are here to incite creativity, to inspire your storytelling. Whether you're a writer, maybe you're developing a game, you're doing art. You're writing music. Or writing music. You know, storytelling has universal constants. It's mm-hmm. you. It's analogous to whatever is the medium that you're deciding to. So hopefully when you come uh, as a storyteller to our podcast, you can get something out of this. Right? Am I on point, Michael? Or am I you, going crazy? You know what? Honestly, you are 100% on point because I think of storytelling as more than just one medium. It's It ranges... It well, you did a great job of explaining all the different facets of storytelling. <laughs> to be honest, well, video games, you. art, music, stories, picture books, um, life. Life is a beautiful story. That you never know when you're going to listen to this podcast, hear an episode, and think, "Wow, that applies to me." Hopefully, not a heist episode or a betrayal episode. They maybe don't have those quite as a, a straight one to one ratio. Guys, don't do heists; it's illegal, <laughs> not in real life. Not in Don't real life. steal. It's bad. But guess what we're talking about today? We're talking about... What? what? Okay. What? I will say... I, wait. <laughs> wait. What? No, no. Go on. No, I'm waiting for you to <laughs> say it. Oh, okay. So, okay, guys, check this out. I could not find an appropriate name for this, so I'm just going to throw out two out there. Living object characters. Animate, inanimate objects. Okay. That's what okay. this is about. Okay. Roll the music. Guys, uh, inanimate objects, uh, living objects, what the heck are those? Well, allow me to open the book for you. Before we hop into this, I have a little bit of an exercise, Michael, for you. Excellent. Uh, I want to tell me, what is an object you have on you at all times? My cell phone. Your cell phone, right? There's only a couple of things. It's either your cell phone, your wallet, your clothes, your clothes. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because my next question was going to be, what's your greatest fear of this object? Losing it. (laughs) Losing it. Yep. Actually, I'm going to roll that back. My mind. My mind. Am I afraid to lose my mind? Of course. (laughs) Don't misplace your mind, Michael. That's never a good thing. Well, what emotions would you ascribe to, let's say, losing your wallet or your phone? How would you paint that picture? Panic. Panic, right? Where the crap did I leave it? Because like a lot of the things I do in my life revolve around my phone. I play games on my phone. I check news on my phone. I communicate with the people I love through my phone. And <laughs> I was going to say people I don't love, but no, actually I've, I've whittled it down that I'm only really communicating with the people I love. When I lose, like when I misplace my phone, like I've done it a few times in the last couple months and it's like, where the crap did I put it? I think... I would freak out more if I misplaced my phone than I did my keys. Right. It, there, there are certain objects like you could put it on a scale. Lost my yeah. keys. Okay. Not a big deal. I can get that fixed. Lost my phone. Like, woof. Okay. Yeah. I need my phone. What happened to it? Lost my wallet. Gosh. All those cat videos. Dang it. You, you're describing like why you don't want to lose these things and what they mm-hmm. mean to you. And what I think is interesting about that is you start to react to these objects in a very personal way. You're ascribing emotions to them. You know, almost like they're a distant person, you know, they're almost like a relationship. 
because they're that important to you to keep around. You spend several hours a day with them. You yeah. communicate through them. You learn through them. You're entertained by them. And you start to think about it. This applies more to the phone than anything else. Yeah. Obviously, you're not being entertained by your keys or learning no. from them. Well, but have you seen a one-year-old play with keys? I mean, that can be quite <laughs> entertaining. They can go for hours. It's crazy. On that note, think of an object in which you ascribe emotion to that's important to you, but isn't something you necessarily have on hand all the time. But if you lost it, that would hurt. It would be painful or it would be frustrating maybe. And for me, I'm going to throw one out there. Uh, I have a pen. Well, it's a marker and it is a calligraphy marker from Japan. I use it to do my, I practice my journal writing uh, in kanji in Japanese and I don't know what it is about this thing. It costs me five bucks, but I always have to know where it is. And if I lose it, uh, whenever I miss it, I have to go look for it. I have to know where it is, even though it cost me five bucks to go to Hobby Lobby and replace it. But it's weird. It's like this object means something to me. It's like I see it and I feel good about myself. These weird feelings that I've ascribed to this object. Yeah, I'm with you there on that one. But I think that when you said object that like has emotional value, and the funny thing that came to mind was my bed, right? Whenever we go on long <laughs> trips, stay with me here for a second. Whenever we go on long trips. <laughs> I know trips, where you're going. Um, we stay in hotels or motels or whatnot. And those beds are the worst. You cannot get a good night's sleep. When we come home from those long trips and I look at my bed and then I crash in my bed after a hard day's worth of work, I feel peaceful. I feel relaxed. I feel like I'm floating on cloud nine, Right. So, you know, there's several objects that I could probably relate to, but the one that really was impressing me at the moment was just how grateful I am for my bed and how much it changes <laughs> me day to day. I got to say, I have the, I have an object in our house that we since gotten rid of. It's, it's flowing the other way. I had a table that I hated. Uh, I hated our dining room table. We finally replaced it, it for the first time in like the five years of our ma marriage. And when I got that new table, you know what happened? I hated the old table even more. I despised. Yeah, my my because okay. I was like, I didn't realize how much I hated that thing until I got a table that I liked. <laughs> you know, true story. We we didn't like our old table too. The thing that we hated most about it was that we kept stubbing our feet underneath it every time we got to the table. Like, oh my gosh! So we could not see that table go faster. But at the same time, it was a good it was a good table, really solid. But and we sold it for a hundred bucks, and we got the new table for a hundred bucks. So I'm like, win win. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway. I think your your table story that you actually hated your table more <laughs> is impressive. I don't know. I feel like we could give your your table a good name, like the great toe stubber of the oh, house. Oh man, it was the worst. Cause like the feet, the feet were like twice as big as your feet. And like so you really didn't of know. My where. feet specifically. N not your feet. My feet. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Size twelve feet. There you go. Actually my oh, feet aren't go. that big. I was like, 11, wow, you have big 10, feet. Ten. Holy cow. Ten wide. Whose jeans did that come from? It wasn't me. Not that well, either. Well, it wouldn't be me. That'd be <laughs> weird. Time travel episode. Got you guys. Grandfather paradox. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Stay tuned. Episode 49. Wait, 490. <laughs> 490. Here we go. Now, as you can see from these examples, and I think probably even you guys who are listening right now, you could think of objects that have personal significance to you. I know your first thoughts are your keys, your wallet, but think of other things in your house. And your mouse, I love my mouse. I've had this thing for four years. It was given to me as a gift. And I've, I don't want to get rid of it, even though it's starting to break down. 
But it's not a pet is, mouse, it's a computer mouse. It's a computer. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. I don't have like a dead mouse that I keep on me. It's a computer mouse. <laughs> Clarification is context is key. Now, historically speaking, and in terms of storytelling, we actually learn a lot about how our ancestors felt about objects. In particular, I learned about this really cool legend. It, it's from Japan. It's called the, if, don't murder me. It's called the Tsukumogami. Tsukumogami, Imaki. Um, and there was this belief in Japan that when an object turned 100 years old, it was possessed by spirit. It essentially comes alive. Another name for these, they called it the 99. The, the idea was if an object was about to turn 100, they would take it and they'd throw it out because who wants wow. a possessed object in their house? Isn't wow. that crazy? I think that takes planned obsolescence to the extreme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, 100 years. I mean, that's, it's that's, a long time. That's, that's planning a long pretty time. far ahead. I mean, like, right. what do we make nowadays that last 100 years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything? I don't Nothing. know. Nothing. I'm surprised. Hey, the Nintendo 64 still turns on. That's it's, a miracle. The Super Nintendo still turns on. What's that? That's like 30 years I, now? Yeah, 30. 30, 91, I think is when it hit US stores. Wow, 90 more. Come on, guys. 70 more years. Let's go. We can make this happen, even if we have to emulate it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So that Japanese story, uh, that, that legend passed down as early as like, I think, 1000 AD. You can actually find lots of stories anciently of people ascribing personalities Two objects. And you can kind of see why. Because in our own lives, we do the same thing. And if you think about some of your favorite stories, you think of objects of significance that are cool, that you, you know, like the lightsaber from Star Wars. Yeah. And as the story of the lightsaber has evolved over time, it's become more and more spiritual as they've expanded on the universe. And uh, now in the stories, the crystal that you have to go find, it kind of like chooses you as you choose it through the force. The, the and so this crystals. evolution of objects over time and storytelling, it's something that almost happens instinctive for us. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I think I got a little bit into this with my uh, magical items episode that we did with uh, named swords and named weapons, right? The weapons themselves gained a characteristic and legend in and of themselves, not just the people who, who uh, used them. Your episode actually came up quite a bit while I was re researching this because I kept thinking like he had objects in his episode with personality yeah. and you start to kind of cross a line there with enchanted objects slash yeah. magical items and yeah. items that have personality. Right. You go from the inanimate object to the animate object. Yeah, exactly. So in this case, uh, I think it's probably time we actually define what we mean here. Mm -hmm. Inanimate, animate objects. In this case, when we say animate, I would apply this to anything that is human or living and applying it to an object. So that could be the object can move. It could be that it could talk. It could be that it could think. It could be that it has some kind of influence on its surroundings, but it is animate in some way. And I prefer the term living object, even though I haven't seen that coined anywhere else. Inanimate, inanimate object is the one that tends to get used a lot. For some reason, whoever coined that is criminal. I'm just going to call it the IAO. The IA. I guess that's a little bit better. The IAO. <laughs> Inanimate animate object. IAO. But you know what? This reminds me. And I don't know if I want to bring it up. I was going to say like, <laughs> is it this like Toy Story? <laughs> yeah, actually, Toy Story is a great example of a modern day 
um, inanimate animate object, inanimate object living yeah, living yeah. objects living objects um and you know the cloak from dr strange it has a personality ah, yes. yes exactly yeah. mm-hmm. it doesn't say anything but there's communication between him and the cloak right and in many cases these objects grant power to the possessor of or owner of the object but we're gonna go ahead and dive into the technical details of what can create a good inanimate animate object or living object and uh yeah let's do the story first then we'll get into that sound good yeah sounds great all right i was gonna say it sounds like you know like we want to keep calling them space bugs but really it's space ducks (laughs) (laughs) i love it saucy okay here we go If a smell could be crunchy on the outside, but chewy on the inside, this would be that smell. The humidity and odor of the junkyard licked at Warren's skin in all unseemly ways, making it shiver uncontrollably. He felt the sudden urge to take everything in his stomach and leave it somewhere on the ground behind him. But he managed to somehow keep all of his organs in line, even though his legs wanted to turn tail and run. Junkyards were, as his father called them, not-so-fun yards. His dad wasn't that creative, but he was right. Junkyards in this day and age were a pretty dangerous place to be exploring. As he leapt over and descended into the foliage of trash bags, crumpled paper, and whatever that oozing mess was, Warren found himself deep inside the throng of humanity's great leftovers. Eventually, the mounds of trash around him grew tall and hulkish, lurking around him like humped bats pushing and crawling over each other, forming a terrifying silhouette against the orange sky. After several minutes, he froze. He looked back to see what was behind him and found a 1950s Chevy staring right back, its crumbled frame brutally crushed by its brothers and sisters. You're lost, a voice grumbled at him. Warren inhaled sharply and turned towards the voice. He saw nothing but broken fridges, desks, and bags. His eyes darted through the rubble, looking for anything long and sharp. I'm not trespassing, Mr. Fern, just taking a shortcut, he said, calling out the only name he could think of that would belong to someone else in this place other than himself. And I'm a ten-foot-tall purple alligator who eats cheesy popcorn. Warren's brows tightened. He could hear the voice. It was right in front of him, but nothing but piles of trash looked back. Uh, Mr. Fern, where are you? It slowly crept into his realization. That didn't sound like old Tom Fern, owner and defender of the junkyard. I don't know. He's probably sleeping on that billion-year-old mattress he swiped out from under that trash heap a couple of months ago. Talk about disturbing. And a little desperate. I know it says chilling foam on the label, But we all know the truth. What do you want? Warren called out. Well, I would absolutely kill for a double cheese bacon burger, Texas style. But as you can see, that's never going to happen, no matter what I do. But why don't you step into the shadows where I can see you a little better? There you go. That's the scene. A strange object. A strange object. Like, which one? Which one? Exactly. There's a trash pile before him. What could it be amongst the trash? Well, it wants cheeseburgers. It wants cheeseburgers. Yep. Texas style. Oh. Texas style. What other style is there other than the Texas style? Pretty sure it's the 1950s Chevy. 
It's got to be the Chevy. <laughs> Let's talk about creating an inanimate object. Now that we've all got our scene, you must be asking yourself, well, what do I do now? I've set a premise. I need an inanimate object, living object, or as Michael likes to call them, an IAO. Questions to answer. First of all, we need to decide what our object is. Two, we need to define its personality. Now, I, obviously, I gave it a bit of a snarky attitude, but there's other things we can do there, and we'll go over that. Three, where did it come from? Or we could also clump into there, how did it become sentient or self-aware? Four, did I say three or four before? This is meant to be four. What power does it give uh, to the user who possesses it, if any? It doesn't have to, but it can. And then five, what is the relationship to the main character? What role does it play in that relationship? So points two, defining its personality, and point five is really where we can dissect some things, and I have some suggestions there. But everything that I just mentioned are really like guidelines that I was able to pull out, you know, reviewing kind of like the history of inanimate objects and stories and what I was able to pull out. Mm -hmm. So my idea is, let's do it. Let's start from here. So, so in stories, are you trying to pull out like... Are you trying to explore humanity with inanimate animate objects or are you trying to help humanity understand itself a bit better? I think that is certainly an option you can explore. That's mm -hmm. often what is explored in sci-fi when it comes to aliens and robots, robots. and things of that nature. Yeah. And so whenever you encounter something that's not quite human, it's often used as a framework to defining humanity. So yeah. although, yes, you could do that, that is not the ultimate objective of in IAO. <laughs> that makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just some clarification there. Now, so let's let's start exploring. What's our object, Michael? What do we got here? Well, I mean, like we can we could we could go car here. I mean, because that's the object that you really pointed out. But why would the car want him to stand in the shadows to help him I, see better? I, I'm not filling the car, honestly. You're not filling the car. That's okay. The second thought I had was a walkie-talkie. Oh, interesting. In, a walkie-talkie. A walkie-talkie. Because it's got all the electronic parts to synthesize voice, but maybe it just kind of went a little bit farther and like it kind of developed a mind of its own sitting in the garbage heap. What How about, I like this walkie-talkie idea. What if it's just a voice recorder? A voice recorder. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I kind of like kinda, this Kind of like the old tape or maybe a newer digital style. So not quite a cell phone, but still useful. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like hmm. that. I I kind of see in my mind as he starts stepping into the sh the shadows of the trash heaps, you know, the the mountain of garbage around him as he descends into the darkness and he looks down, he sees something blinking amongst the trash, a, a little red dot going off and on signaling towards him. And as he starts to deep, you know, push the trash aside, there he sees the voice recorder cradled by an old handbag. I don't know. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> maybe it's like um a Mc like a McDonald's uh, happy go. meal bag or something. Yeah, <laughs> not so happy anymore. Not so happy. Yeah, no, that's good. I like that. So I, I see, I see that is the object, uh, and the personality that you've you've voiced in this little clip is was somewhat snarky, but also very like rolly. Like he's kind of just letting life roll him by because maybe he's been in the the dump for a while and he's watched his caretaker you know rummage about like he saw him steal the mattress and he's like well there he goes again 
<laughs> you know, yeah. like that's not going to be comfortable. Someone threw it away. <laughs> he was probably like staring as it was happening. He was like, probably like working at it for 20 minutes, trying to pull it out. It, right. <laughs> mattresses are heavy. Stuff. He's like, oh, please don't. No, don't do it. Don't please respect yourself. Have some dignity, please. So kind of snarky, kind of, kind of now well, somewhat melancholy. What's, he definitely sounds a little depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's been there for a while. Let's let's bring up point number two, okay. defining the personality. As I was doing my research, I found three points that apply to defining the personality. And I think okay. this is actually a good opportunity to kind of define why he might have the, almost this melancholy atmosphere about him, but mm-hmm. almost like a mocking personality as well. Yeah. So uh, one is analogous to its form. It is whatever the object is that can probably be made into some kind of simile of a personality. You know, in the case of a sword, when a lot of swords have personalities, it's a valiant defender, like a strong personality, or it might be a crazy yeah. psycho killer. You know, there, the the form of the blade somehow can manifest as a personality. And you see that in a lot of objects that are told in stories. Okay. Um, point B a reflection of the main character. I've seen this as well. This is one that's a little less common, but the object can have a personality that either complements whoever possesses it to kind of give good contrast contrast or te- context to, to reflect what the character is going through. So it assists the story in that way. And then the next one is C, a slight offness to the personality to remind us it's not quite human. That you see all the time. And that goes back to your earlier question. So, um, yeah, those are our, our guidelines there. I see you nodding at me. So tell me what's going through your head. Well, okay. I, I, I see maybe a little bit more of reflective, but maybe okay. not the main character. Maybe it's the person who owned it last. Oh, right? interesting. So, so maybe, maybe the guy that owned this tape recorder was a psychologist right? Or something to that extent. And he was always talking into this tape recorder, like commenting on his patients, like to help keep his own mind, like in, in, in like sync with what he observes from all these people. So over the years, this tape recorder or voice recorder, whatever it is, has gained a, a very clinical personality where he more like, that's where he gets his melancholy nature. He's only seen kind of like the weird and eccentric people over the years being described. And so that's kind of why he was starky about the guy getting his mattress out of the dump as opposed to <laughs> something a bit more dignified. You know? I, I love this idea that the tape recorder is actually an expert in psychology now because yeah. of this. And he's constantly diagnosing people and he yeah. drives the main character insane. Yeah. As you know, like the character has this brief moment. He like wiggles the lock to make sure it's, you know, it's actually locked. And he yeah. kind of says under his breath, oh, that's definitely a little bit of OCD right there. Obsessive right. compulsive much. <laughs> yeah. You should have that checked out. You should get that looked at. <laughs> or, or maybe when the character meets up against some moral dilemma and he's having to decide between saving, you know, like his friends from peril you have some moral dilemma and like the tape recorders kind of coaching him through like the different aspects of the pros and cons and, and what that makes him as a character. I really like the idea. It kind of leads me in this interesting direction. Tell me what you think of this. Mm -hmm. What if he's at this moment where he's become very accustomed to this weird, like, cause what you just described was more like philosophy. 
yeah. which is something you might deal with in terms of morally ah. speaking. And what if he's he's dealing with this psychological issue or whatever with this person? And for the first time in a long time, the tape recorder, the tape recorder goes silent. And he's like, oh my gosh, finally a moment of peace. Maybe I can figure out what I should do here because either I got to take this object that I need. Maybe it's like food that he needs and he he has to bring food back to the family. So he's staring at this, this bag of groceries that's been left outside of this, I don't know, store. And he's staring at it and he's hungry and he's about to reach for it and he's struggling. And finally, Mr. Tape shut up and he's like, this is great. And then a new voice comes out of the tape recorder. Well, in times of need that are dire, I do know that the stomach must be filled, but ultimately goodness wins out. Allow me to quote for you, Kant. And he starts going through and quoting. It's a totally different voice. And that's where we find out that the personality of several people, all the people who have possessed this tape recorder, have left their knowledge and personalities within it. The psychologist dominates. But all yeah. there's tons. There could be like a historian in there, maybe like a mechanic. Okay. And it's only as wise and informational as the people who spoke into it. So sure. the mechanic might not be useful at all. He's like, no, I know a few things about. I know a few things about cars. Got to change the oil so, in that one. <laughs> so so this tape is experiencing like multiple personality disorder. Exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Well, that could be rather interesting as a as a plot device to kind of help you through some some difficult situations. Right. And we find ourselves a, a bit of a crossroads because when it comes to creating an inanimate object and applying it to your story, either it's the crux of the story. So here the whole system, the rules, the mechanics, even the powers, the, the powers, air quotes, that this mm-hmm. character possesses comes from this device. He now has access to knowledge, an assistant that help him tackle different issues, yeah. right? Or mm-hmm. in, in the other vein of things, it's a less c- – because here in the story we're creating, the object is huge. But we could take a path where the object is just pretty much another character in the story. Yeah. So th- this is a this is a more direct route. Yeah. I-, I like the fact that the mechanic could actually help him hijack a car that he needs to get away. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Right. So so that's it is useful. Uh, so so he actually does. I mean, this answer is number five. What are the powers that he gets? Well, he he does get the knowledge of these other people that coach him through the scenarios that he needs to get through to get to the end of the story or whatever that you know is. So stealing cars, walking through psychotic people. I mean, like walking through, sorry, not walking through psychotic people. <laughs> Getting past. Yeah. Helping him navigate, uh, helping him navigate sticky situations with interesting people that have interesting problems. You know? Uh, no, I don't know. I say, you know, way too much. No, this is that, great. I, maybe that, I do know, Michael. I am all knowing. Like we are, you know. we are all knowing in this story because anything we say goes. We're the storytellers, or not, because it could always get edited out. <laughs> it could, yeah. This, <laughs> who knows? Who knows if this this makes it? I like this though. Yeah, I. So, minor correction, Michael. That was actually point number four. What? But oh, you're right. Me. You're yeah. right. I I couldn't read you. my handwriting because the R in what's that word? Rel relative. I can't, I can't, I don't know what I wrote for number five. What's number five, Robbie? Number five. Actually, believe it or not, this still answers number five. It is, what is the relationship to the main Relationship. Character? What role does ah, it play? What role does it play with the character? Okay, so number four is, is that it gives them the power of the people that 
the knowledge of the people that previously possessed possessed the, the, the voice recorder. Number five is the relationship of the tape recorder is now his new friend and superpower. Right. It, ex- it, it gives him these abilities. So mm. we've now answered that direction of the relationship, what the art, what the object does for our user. Now we need to reverse it because, and just to open up this branch for any, for mm-hmm. those who are listening, you know, you could choose an archetype because in some cases the object can be a wise guide. It could be a comfort, a best friend. Uh, it could be more like a pet. Um, hopefully it's not a romance. That's kind of weird. I've, that is a territory I would wow. never explore. That's the one time you have made a bad remark on romance. Yeah, I'm bailing out of that one because that does not make sense. Doesn't work. Sorry, guys. Doesn't That's work. Too bad. Now I know there's people who are thinking of examples. No, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm the romance person. I'm saying no. <laughs> but you know, it could just be a comedic relief. It could be snarky, annoying, distracting, <laughs> but unusually helpful and caring at the same time. And then, of Mm -hmm. course, number three is it's merely just like a placeholder character. It's just another character in the story. So like we were talking about before. Now, wheeling it back now, we need to talk about what what does the object character get from our main character and all this experience? I think he gets a new personality. Oh, so he gets a new personality like the main character does? The no the the tape, the voice recorder. Oh, of course. Gets gets the character who's holding him his own knowledge and experience as part of the exchange. You know, it's hilarious though. I could see this whole thing being like, I'm getting nothing from you. <laughs> it's like, you have no useful skills or knowledge. You're just, he, you're a dumpster diver. <laughs> That's all you are. <laughs> he's a sneaky kid. He's a sneaky maybe kid. he gets, maybe he gets playfulness and sneaky. Oh, it could be street smarts too. Yeah, street smart, right? This kid's been living on the street for a while or something. I don't know. Or or he has to navigate the streets. I, I mean, if we wanted to get touchly, touchy-feely, this kid's living in the dump. I mean, his whole life, this this recorder's been with people who are snarky. Oh, sorry. Oh. People who are like either well-educated and were very mm-hmm. skilled. And this is the first person that will show him what real life is like. So it's yeah. an exploration of, I don't know. The lower echelons of life. I almost see this maybe helping to like do the other characters in the tape or the voice recorder. Do the other characters that manifest in the voice recorder, are they aware? Are they self-aware enough that they know that there are other personalities in the ta- in the voice recorder? I'm going to say it's more of a mask in that deep down. It's the same person. It's, it's the, the same, same person. Um, so, golly, we've actually answered all of our points. That's crazy. Well, um, I think we've built up a really interesting object here. Yeah, we have a really interesting character. It's a, We've established the relationship between the main character and the object. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure people listening, you're already thinking of a dozen different ways this could go. If we were crafting a normal story, we want to start establishing the world. Where is he, where is he at? What's going on? We'd want to start establishing the conflict. What are the goals of the main character? I think it'd be interesting to describe what are the main goals of our object character. Is he just on an endless journey to collect all these personalities? Mm. Oh, shoot. That's, we did forget one point. question that leads into this. Sorry, number question three, number three. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking like, how did you become self-aware? I was kept like, I don't think we answered that one yet. Yeah. <laughs> shoot. But how did he become self-aware? I'm wondering, I mean, for me, I see him like sitting on the, the desk of, of the uh, psychologist who was the first 
personality that he he uh, was able to take on uh, or knowledge that he was able to take on. And maybe some interesting accident happened. Like he, the, the, the psychologist was drinking tea and ended up spilling it on the tape recorder. I, I don't know. Like something happened where he thought the tape recorder was broken for a while and it was just starting to act funny, but he just left it on the table, like thinking, oh, I'll get to this later. And he starts, you know, writing down his notes and talking through it instead of using the tape recorder. And then later he gets rid of it. Like he's like, he gives it to his secretary. And, and as the tape recorder goes on now with this weird glitch, the, the psychologist thinks it's broken because it's just playing back random clips of himself and it, not in any sensical order anymore. But it's it at this point is becoming self-aware and trying to tell the psychologist, like, this is what I'm thinking, but it only can use what it was previously recorded. It can't it can't use that as its own voice. Um, and as it goes from character to character, those other new recordings kind of get intermixed and then they finally get frustrated thinking it's broken, but it's been through about five or six different people at this point. And so it ends up in the landfill. And oh. while it's sitting in the landfill that has years to kind of mold this all together into a cohesive person. I love this image you're painting. I mean, what a cool montage that would be mm -hmm. through the story of watching this device getting passed around, like from desk to desk. I mean, it starts yeah. off really slow. You see it on the desk, the coffee cup, the magical goof yeah. that Whatever. gave it life. Maybe the first user was like a wizard or something. I don't know. <laughs> Ancient wizard. And you know, it spills on it, comes to life, and then it starts crackling and saying things the wizard said before. Wizard gets frustrated, and then the next shot is boom, it's on the next desk. And then it's yeah, starting to yeah. say more and more, boom, boom, boom. It's getting faster and faster. It's talking and trying to speak and say things until eventually it's like in the graveyard. Sorry. Until eventually it's in, it's in the junkyard. You know, it's saying, oh, poo. How did I get here? <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like mulling over life until he finally yeah. sees he sees this this kid run by like, hey, hey, there's someone. Oh, there's someone. <laughs> I love I see, that. I see you're lost. Don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. <laughs> right. I never screw anything. He's like talking to himself and all of his personalities. <laughs> right. He's like, right. everyone just shut up. I have this. I got this. You're I got lost. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, um, I did have a challenge uh, I wanted to do, but we're we're kind of at our time limit here. So maybe yeah. we'll do this really quick and then we'll wrap it up. Does that sound good? Okay. Yeah, let's okay. go through it. This is called Rapid Fire Object Character Generation. It happens in five steps. One, give me color, taste, or smell. And then I give a name based off of that. Then you have to come up with a name based off of that object that rhymes with the object. Uh, and then four, you get your object and then five, uh, what's the personality associated with that object that we just, uh, just came up with and gave it a weird name. Okay. Okay. So we're going to do two of these really fast. Okay. Shoot. Give me a color, taste or smell. Purple. Purple. Okay. I am thinking of a GameCube controller. <laughs> that was the first thing that came to mind. GameCube controller. All right. You have to come up with a name that rhymes with that somehow. <laughs> um, lame. Lame. Oh, ooh, that's actually really good. Lame. Lame. Okay. We got, uh, we got a GameCube controller called Lame. Mm -hmm. So I like it. All right. What's the personality of Lame, the GameCube controller? Um, 
frustratingly, right? It's the controller you never want to use, but you end up getting the short end of the stick when all of your friends get together sometimes. And um, it purposely does wrong things <laughs> oh, that's as you're playing great. the game. It's the classic blame the controller personality. <laughs> right, Nothing's right. its fault. <laughs> right. That's fantastic. Right. Like, and everyone's like, sure, you're just really that bad. Come on. It's like, <laughs> no, it's the controller. <laughs> Got it. Oh, that's great. I love it. Great. Perfect. Okay, my turn. I'm going to give you color, taste, and smell. Uh, you got to give me a name. And then we got the object. We come with the personality. All right. Um, Sour. Sour. Yeah. Any Anything that comes to mind? Warheads. War like nuclear warheads? <laughs> no, like the candy. Like the candy? Okay, candy I have to clarify. <laughs> Those are sour. I don't know. And, and a warhead with a personality sounds pretty volatile. Well, well uh, you you could take it for what it is. I said warhead. Warhead. Okay. Then the name of the object will be. Uh, I'm trying to think of a female name. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> warhead. How do you turn warhead into a female name? Clarted, Clar, Clarmed. That kind of works. Flaryhead, Flarehead, Flarehead, Flaremed, Flare, Flaremed, Flarecad, Flarecad, Flarecad actually works. Flarecad. Okay, okay. Flarecad the workhead. <laughs> so stupid. We've got our object. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, the personality of of uh, Clarted, Clarmed. Wait, what was it? Claire Fled. Claire Fled. Flarekhead. 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 Flarekhead the Warhead. Um, now, here's the fun thing, because what we described earlier, it can be analogous, but you can also go the opposite direction. So I'm going to say Claire Ted is a very simple, gentle, wise personality. The complete antithesis of a Warhead. Incredibly difficult to upset. Incredi- Actually, it's kind of like a Warhead, because... Some warheads have been around for like 40 years. They're never set off. And that's a great thing. That's and that's a great want. thing. That is a yeah. very great and so thing. It's a very wise patient, um, always putting itself in the shoes of other people. I, you know what? I see this being an ICBM, right? It's in, it's in its tube, ready to launch at any moment. And she always talks them out of it. Like, you know, you don't, you don't want to blow them up. That's just not what you want to do. Oh, could you imagine? Like they're they're putting in the codes. They got the keys <laughs> right, ready. Right now, now everyone, calm down. I'm sure take a it's breath. Fine before yes. you turn both of those keys. Let us all take a deep breath. <laughs> That's great. Consider the millions of lives that are at stake with this decision that you have. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, there you guys Boom. go. Boom. 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 <laughs> guys thanks so much for joining us on this episode if you want to come up with some objects there's a fun little activity you can do with a friend uh michael this was awesome i love yeah, it make it this a game was... night yeah game night that's great that's copyrighted you can't take it <laughs> yeah game night wait the, the freight no no the, the five-step game oh the five-step <laughs> game which is actually three steps i just yeah, yeah you skip two there you go no <laughs> thank you everyone for joining us you can follow us to continue the conversation uh at on Twitter at Creators PV Pod or search for us on Facebook, Creators Playbook. We hope you enjoy the fun that you have as you tell stories. Guys, hold your family close, but hold your objects closer. <laughs> and hope they don't come to life. <laughs> yeah, please, please don't tell me they come alive. That's a problem. Yeah, if they do, actually, I want to hear about it on Twitter. You let me know. 
yeah, put it on there. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Bye, guys. Can't wait to see what you make. Creators Playbook is a Talea Studios production. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at contact at creatorsplaybook.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We cannot wait to see what you make. Boop. Just because inanimate, oh my gosh, inanimate animate object is so frustrating to say. So I'm going to refer to it going forward as living object, but inanimate, oh my goodness gracious, inanimate.